Welcome back to the Jake as Well podcast. We are in a sermon series right now called Inner Life. And right now we're going to talk about this process of creating a rule of life for this coming season. So let's get started. Good morning. And sure, you're back. I am back. Better than ever. <laughs> I don't know what's changed, but better than ever. Well, Shua you're 2.0. You're wiser. I am older by a week. By a week. Yes. Well, happy birthday week. Thank you. That, that means yes. a lot to me. Yes. For, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know. <laughs> Sometimes you start something and you don't know where it's going to go and... Here we are. Well, I appreciate it. You I, mean, bet. I just had a real birthday, like a yearly one. You, you did? Know, like a, a month ago, and so now having a whole I, week I one. should know, but how old are you? I am 31. 31. Oh, your 20s are gone. I'm sorry. They're, they're in the past. I I remember. But you dealt with that last year. We talked about that. Yeah. 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 It doesn't oh, well, feel that different. It doesn't. To be completely honest. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Wow. Well, I'm I'm in my the body's 50s still now, working. So. Yes. Well, there it is. So far. So far, so good. I wish I could say the same. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're telling me is I have nothing but hopeful things to look for. Yes, to. absolutely. Good. Absolutely. It's all uphill. It is. It gets Your easier. Your get better. Yes. Yes. Awesome. I'm very excited. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, the weather's been lovely. Yeah, it has been really nice. You I, know what? So we got back from summer camp yes. last week. It was probably the hottest week of <laughs> summer camp I've ever lived in. And through. storms. It was Storms. But like the humidity... I don't know. I know it's still in Wisconsin. Right. But it was like, it felt like I was in Florida. It's oppressive. It was oppressive. It was doo doo. And we came home. And I remember the night we came home, I went outside and it was chilly. Yes. And it was like a gift from God. Yes. Yes. There's my weather update. This is the time of year where weather gets gets to be my favorite kind of weather because you do the chill thing and it's pretty good. October. For me, it's all about, I just can't wait. Yes. Favorite month of the year. Well, there you go. All right. (laughs) Well. We did weather, we mm. caught up, mm-hmm. and now we're in a series called Inner Life. Wow. Yeah. Segue. 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 Check. Mm. So uh, this series has uh, been an interesting little adventure. I, I, um, I've been kind of taken back by how people have been taken back by it. Um, just, you know, you say something um, that's honestly didn't seem that profound to me, um, but just kind of one of those blinding flashes of the obvious, and uh, people are like, whoa. Okay, that's right. I gotta, I gotta respond to that. And the big thing was that if we are inattentive to our inner life, if we're inattentive to what's going on inside, the mental processes we go through, the emotional patterns, the relational responses that are not thought out but just reactionary, the emotions we're carrying, and and particularly those emotions that flash, like I get a flash of panic, or a flash of anger, mm-hmm. or a flash of jealousy, or a flash of just annoyance, and I don't know where that came from. If you're not paying attention to your inner life, um, well, then um, um, you're going to drift into bad stuff. You know, uh, we've talked about the dynamic of doing and being. Doing is the behaviors of the outer life, and being is the behaviors of the inner life, the the processes of, um, you know, just uh, being who you are. And there's so many layers to this. So many lessons to this, and we're going to spend a lot of time this year working on our inner lives, learning to listen to our inner lives, learning to cultivate our inner lives. And this is really just for a lot of people, um, you know, whenever we talk about this, people are, you know, shaking a little bit. But this has been, I, I don't know if it's coming off of a season post-post-COVID, mm-hmm. you know, where people... Um, we, we just were kind of adrift in COVID because you couldn't plan or think and... And we yeah. were just kind of surviving. Then after COVID, 
um, where we couldn't do a lot of the things we used to do. We, we've been doing a ton. So this summer has been kind of a, for a lot of people, a summer of doing. And now we're just, I mean, so we haven't even processed what we've been through, what we're feeling, you know, the patterns that we were part of before COVID that are trying to sneak back into our life and the patterns we discovered in COVID, some good, some bad. And, and there's just a deep need for us to have kind of a, a thoughtful conversation with our soul. <laughs> there, there's a deep need for us, you know, you know, uh, to ask our soul some questions like, how you doing soul? You know, uh, what are you feeling? How are you holding up? Um, you know, what are you treasuring? What are you storing? Mm -hmm. So the first week in this series, of course, we looked at that passage where Jesus basically says, you know, what you're putting in your life is what's going to come out of your life. You know, he says the good things a good person stores in their life are treasures in their life. It's a really interesting word and used a couple different ways in a couple different gospels. But the idea is that we're always storing something. We're always putting something in the storehouse. We're always treasuring, oh, this is worth my time. This is worth my attention. This is valuable. And so I'm going to put it in my life. And um, that's what you're going to be able to bring out. So if you're putting good things in, and life happens, interactions happen, and people happen, you're going to be able to bring something good out. Mm -hmm. But the evil person, out of the evil that they've stored or they've treasured in their life, um, patterns, you know, very often, it's, sometimes they're truly evil people who delight in evil and they just store up evil stuff. But most of us drift into evil. We drift into dark stuff. Mm -hmm. We just kind of unthoughtfully let things stack up, whether it be resentments or unforgiveness, whether it be patterns of addiction or patterns of behavior. You know, it's the old unexamined life is not worth living. Well, the unexamined life is actually dangerous because we're always storing something. So the evil person brings evil out of the life, you know, the, the things that they've stored. And then this last week, we looked at the relationship of, of light to the conversation, um, that powerful metaphor that Jesus uses so much, particularly in John's Gospels, John's Gospel and John's writing, um, and, and as well as other places throughout the Bible, really, um, this idea that that it takes courage to go into your life, particularly if you hadn't been there for a while. Mm -hmm. So if you imagine it as kind of a, a locked house or a locked room or a place where you are truly you, you know, that that's the one thing about the inner life is that particularly when you meet there with God, you, you can fake it on the outside. You can even yeah. fool yourself. There's no hiding. That's right. Inner life, you are, you know, um, you know, naked and exposed before God. You are who you mm -hmm. are. And so much of maturity is getting your inner life to match your outer life. You know, quit worrying about image management and saying, I want to look this way to others. I want to look this way to myself. I want to think of myself in this mm -hmm. way and see yourself for who you really are and then be that. Um, but in order to do that, um, you know, you've got to have the courage, one, to unlock the door and go in there. Um, but you don't have to go alone. You can go with the companion of the Holy Spirit. You can go with the light of God, which is the person of Jesus, the mm -hmm. example of Jesus, the word of God, and you can start shining light around. Well, and speaking of, of the storehouse metaphor, you know, when you're doing it with Christ and you're doing it with the Holy Spirit, right. that's what you're getting filled with, right? right? It's not just like good activities or righteous intentions. There's there's power. Yep. And it's that like life transforming power that actually could do something. Absolutely. And and so, you know, it, it has it it you know, it has multiple benefits. Mm -hmm. And it's not just, you know, doing it is gonna help me store good things. Doing it itself is a good thing. It's its own reward. In in that respect, I mean, the greatest thing we treasure is our love relation with Christ. 
right? And so yeah. at the heart of good inner life practices, uh, at the heart of this this rule of life we're talking about, must be a love relationship with Christ, must be you know, something that makes us know and become like Christ, love Christ, be reminded of Christ um, and the Father and the Spirit. Um, and then it becomes an adventure of relationship, transformational. It, it's just mm-hmm. a very cool thing. So, well, And I think that's a differentiator. When we do sermon series like this, which I think are absolutely necessary, um, but that differentiates it from a self-help talk. Yes, you yes. Because there's so many, you know, you could turn to so many books and so many different speakers yep, about yep. self-talk and all these different things, and there is there is beauty in that. Sure. But I think the the, the significant difference here is we're saying, no, that's true. We okay. should not be filling ourselves with lives and with darkness and all this stuff. But it's it's through the power, it's through inviting the Holy Spirit in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and in that way, it's you often talk about how the gospel is more than simply the atonement, right. as beautiful as that is. Right. This becomes an extension of the gospel, yes. right? This like redemption of the dark closets and hallways of the soul. Right, right. Well, and that and that's exactly it, right? I mean, I mean, there are two extremes. The one extreme is, you know, um, and actually it, it, they're the same problem. The one extreme that I'm going to go into the inner life my, myself. So I'm going to take all these mm-hmm. good self-help principles. I'm going to take meditation. I'm going to take thoughtfulness. I'm going to take mindfulness. I'm going to take all these things, which actually are gloriously powerful and historically rooted in Christianity, mm-hmm. interestingly enough. Um, and I'm going to go do that. Well, your inner life is a scary place at times. And there's dark, painful things from the past. There's patterns. There's there's sin. And so going there alone is kind of a scary thing. So so the one person, their confidence is, I can go and handle my inner life, you know. Um, I always wonder about people who meditate just, they you know, they go to like a studio and they just meditate. And the, mm-hmm. the whole thing is emptying your mind. I mean, I, I'm sure that's wonderful, but... Uh, you know, then you're empty. It's interesting because it's kind of, it's a different, even yes. the, the word med- meditation is right. completely used in complete, in different contexts. Yes. There. Yes. And so, so it would be easy for people to say, this is self-help. This is just, you know, um, self-help. Um, we're not talking about that. We're talking about Jesus help. We're talking mm-hmm. about God help. We're talking about taking the hand of the Holy spirit and letting him lead you into the parts of your being that, um, need redemption. Um, the other extreme is the person who is all about um, the rule as a law. So we're going to talk about the rule of life. We'll say more about that in a minute. But their thing is, okay, this is the way you do quiet time. When I first became a Christian in a real conservative church, this is quiet time. This is it. The longer it is, the better. I, I had this one guy used to always ask me, hey, how, how's your quiet time going? You know, good. So well, I spent an hour with the Lord this morning. So, okay, I I I didn't. So, you know, and, and so there was this kind of, this kind of self-confident in my ability to do the, do the quiet time thing or do the Bible study thing or, you know, all those things. And, um, and both of those are our attempts to clean up our own inner life. Mm-hmm. What we're talking about is something much more profound. It's talking about bringing the light of God, the person of Christ to that place. And, and we talked this last weekend in the message about, about bringing light to dark places, that there, it takes a kind of courage to say, okay, Holy Spirit, you know, that, that room I've kept locked from you, I guess today is the day we're going to go in there, and that's the room of childhood pain, or that's the, the room where I process the betrayals and my divorce, or that's the, the place where I establish a pattern that I learned from my family of origin about how to handle conflict that is inconsistent with the teaching of a Christian. That's This is the place where, you know, I keep my anger or my jealousy or this is the place where you know um 
you know, I, I have my opinions or my closet, you know, racism or my closet sexism. And I'm going to, I'm going to let you redeem that. This is the place where I do what I want with my money that I either use my money to make me feel important or, you know, I just don't have your view of wealth. And, and the Holy Spirit comes in there and he says, well, let's clean this up. Let's make this actually, rather than a liability that's, that's tearing down your life, let's, let's make it into something beautiful. Let's redeem it. That actually becomes a point of strength. Yeah. Well, and, and I just want to, and I said this two weeks ago, but anyone who hears this and thinks, oh, a simple teaching. No. I, what is, what is more profound? Right. This is literally the process of sanctification right. of God restoring and redeeming piece by piece by piece right. who we are. Like this isn't, this isn't just some, some simple self-help no. uh, VCR tape. This right. is, this is the, this is the work. And I think when you talked about you, you did a little stinger at the end of your message about like, well, when are we gonna when are we gonna preach the the hard Bible right. truths and stuff? And I might have got a little in the flesh there. I apologize. It's pretty funny. <laughs> um, um, but you know, if we just want to puff up our minds right. and our and our concepts, our theology to make us feel like we are, right. that's not hard. Right. That's memorization. Right. <laughs> and that's and that's um, like a, a a pop quiz level of yep. of getting your brain. This is the stuff that takes effort and vulnerability and surrender. Well, certainly there's a way to do spiritual practice that puffs us up, right? Fills us with sure. pride. Um, and there are a lot of people. And there's some people who actually have a natural propensity because of their personality to study and to memorize. They're very much into intellect, intellect and ideation. And so they rock this stuff. I mean, they rock the learning. And um, there is a knowledge that puffs up, right? And And... And, and, and so for many people, what, what makes for deep teaching is, oh, I never heard that before, or that's, a, that's something deep hidden in the Greek, or that's a concept. Mm-hmm. I actually think deep teaching is saying the old things that we all know in such a way that it catches you off guard, that you apply it to your life in a deeper way, or in an aspect of your life you've never, you know, um, mm-hmm. touched on it before, you know, so you come to something we've heard how many times, turn the other cheek, okay. Well, I'm going to hear that in such a way that, wow, okay, that, that, that I've not been a person who naturally avoids offense, avoids contempt. I, I don't turn the other cheek relationally. I'm not a naturally forgiving person, and particularly with Bob, mm-hmm. you know, this person who hurt Bob, me. Bob, Bob, yeah, or whatever name. I, I said Joe on this Sunday, this Sunday, and a guy named Joe came up and said, really, you had to do Joe? So I, I was going to do Karen, but I feel like things have been oh, hard on Karen. I, I feel, I, you know, this is the thing about Karen. All the Karens I know, I can't think of a Karen who's not a lovely person. Mm. The Karens in my life have been amazing. So my, I just... Karens, I, we feel for you. We feel for we you. Are We're sorry. sorry. And um, <laughs> yes. All right. The boomer was better because it was just a general uh, slang of contempt for a whole generation. <laughs> a whole generation. Um, better than a whole poor swath Karen. of humans. Well, maybe I guess that wasn't better. Anyway, <laughs> chasing the rabbit. Um, so... so, so uh, what makes a person deep is not a bunch of Bible knowledge, not learning Greek and Hebrew and church history and all those kinds of things like that. Um, the Pharisees were not deep. They were whitewashed tombs. They were shallow. Um, they were about image management. They taught to look a certain way, not be a certain person. And um, what's deep is when a person is confronted with the person of Jesus, his word, his teaching, and it changes them fundamentally so that the natural result is that they change in behavior. So it's not that they resolve themselves to forgive. 
they learn and become a forgiving person. So their 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 default is no longer revenge or bitterness or isolation. Their default becomes forgiveness. I mean, I mean that's that's I mean uh, the statement that I use so often that I totally stole from um, uh, the Divine Conspiracy, Dallas Willard, is. Um, they become good people from whom good things naturally flow. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I want that. I want to, I don't have to be working all the time at being as a bad person trying to do good things. This is a miserable way to live. I actually mm-hmm. want to be a good person. I actually want to be kind and loving. And so yeah, that right. only happens when we go in the inner life. Go ahead. And it, well, and it ties into the concept of the kingdom of heaven, oh. you know, that we are citizens was going back to something we've already preached on and tying into this, that, that if we really see ourselves and our identity, it's rooted in that, then that's the kind of people we are. Yes. Um, and you think of like the kind of people who are going to be in heaven, like yes. we're going to be our, our truest selves. And yes. I think right now we have this concept that if some of these aspects of our personality were stripped away, we think they're us. Right. They're distortions of right. us. Right. We can't even see that yet. Well, and part of part of the issue that frightens us is if all that image is let go, even for ourself. You know, one big important question after our soul is, what am I trying to look like to myself? You know, what am I trying to... I mean, I, I was just in my own time this morning with God. God reminded me that you know, Paul, one of your images might be this you know, big inner life guy, this this guy who just really does spiritual practices and contemplative practices, and you look all spiritual. Um, you can fake that, too. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, and, you know? and for you, because yes. I can speak somewhat knowing what you go through, right. being on stage, guys, right? right? Yes. Like, isn't there this sense that, okay, I need to balance yes. the big extroverted, the big... Yes. So, okay, so I need to balance that with the, the depth. right. So I think that's fascinating that yep. that God's kind of showing you, hey, actually, right. if yep. either one of these things right. is not in balance, that's right. That's, that's interesting. The, the heart is the greatest of deceitful things, mm. and and it becomes very easy to. I have, uh, I'm going to misquote. I have two quotes on my. So I used to keep quotes all over my office. I have two left that I keep that just they're actually on my screen. Um, one is paraphrasing, paraphrasing poorly. It is easy to. Um, delight in the image of the aesthetic life rather than that life itself. Mm. And I just reminded of that. I mean that, man, mm. I'm doing spiritual practices, but um, but it's not about Jesus anymore. And the other is a quote from um, Shakespeare. Um, um, let me see if I can quote it poorly. Um, um, and thus I clothe my naked villainy in odd old ends stolen from holy writ and seem the saint when most I play the devil. Mm. So it's, it's, a, it's a quote about a character who um, knows that he's using religion to manipulate. It's a Machiavellian kind of thing. And that, um, you know, I know how to pose. I know how to drop the right phrases. I know how to seem yeah. um, like I'm the saint when most I play the devil, when my motivations are dark, when I'm, I'm being manipulative. And it's just a constant reminder to me to check my heart, check my speed, um, you know, and, and, and that's the work of inner life. Yeah. Yeah. Just to, just to say it, Paul, like that is one of the things I do really appreciate about you, not to like puff you up or anything, but we've seen enough. Uh, we were just talking about the celebrity pastors and stuff right. that just Oof. get, everything gets distorted. Yep. And I think they go in with good intentions yep. and it becomes all about them. They yep. get this cult of personality thing. Yep. Um, and I, I just appreciate that you're, um, you're real with your flaws. <laughs> <laughs> and Well, I am. I am. And I think little reminders like that um, 
are are just so necessary so that we don't fall into the trap of using right. the platforms that we have to manipulate. Right. It is not that hard for that twist to happen. Well, and I wish I could say that as I go back in my time, my 30-some years when I was a pastor, that there's no times where I got in a dark place and I yeah. got dark or manipulative or even abusive and um, played that God card in a way that was not okay. Totally. Um, but we're in, we're in good company. Yes, I mean, if you look yes. throughout Scripture, yep. uh, you know, you can look at people like King David, yep. and you can look at the apostles, and yep. it, it is it is human nature to twist what is good. Yep. Right. Yep. I get it. <laughs> um, but yes, that that willingness to call ourselves on it. Yeah. Well, and that's what makes this process, this rule of life, such a good thing. So let's talk a little bit about rule of life. So rule of life is an ancient concept. Um, if you've been around here um, this last month or so, I've been talking about it a lot. We've prepared a handout, by the way, if you haven't got it yet. Uh, it's a beginning of rule of life, and you can get it uh, on the website or in the app. You can pick it up at church. And it's just really good. Actually, Annie, um, uh, who works in formation, your wife, Annie, she helped she put is this my together. Wife, and she's neat. She is awesome. <laughs> Annie hates being called out publicly, so we will not mention Yeah, there's Annie. no picture. Annie, so I think true. we're okay. We're okay. If we ever did video, that oh. would be... All right. End of things. All right. She well, if she's listening right now, she's wanting to crawl under a table because she really doesn't. You know, I actually mentioned her at the annual meeting this. Let's week. just not tell her that we're doing this. Yeah, we'll just we'll just say if you see <laughs> Annie this week and and just say Annie, we hear you're awesome. All right. Anyway, um, <laughs> this is just a great tool, and it it's a beginning tool. It's getting you asking some of the basic questions. So again, the rule of life comes from the Latin word, uh, um, which means um, trellis. Um, so the whole idea is it's a really powerful, beautiful metaphor, um, that you have this vine, maybe you're going to try to grow grapes and you plant on the ground and sure enough, it sprouts up, but then it spreads out and dies because it gets too wet. It needs something to grow on. The trellis is what you build. You build some kind of wooden thing, um, that is, um, that is not alive and is not the point but is crucial for the living thing to grow on. And so the trellis is the pattern of spiritual practices that you are going to intentionally add to your life as a pattern, as a routine, um, that will allow spiritual things to grow. And uh, when I first became a Christian, we called this quiet time, and it was narrow, and it was legalistic, and it was hard. And so a lot of people went through that and tried to live up with that to that and then it became hypocritical and and rightfully they threw that aspect of it off unfortunately there was a baby flying with the bathwater that was mm. being thrown out and so um, we don't want to throw babies around so anyway the point is is, is uh, if you take one thing out of this whole uh, podcast don't stop throw, throwing stop babies throwing the babies <laughs> Oh my goodness. And and so we need a quote book. We do. I don't know. Some long running just it is. the ridiculous things. Yeah, don't throw the babies. Don't throw the babies. Right. <laughs> TSOU. Twenty twenty one. Um You did tell me you had some like great little theme song worked up in your I head. did. That, <laughs> it was more scat than anyway. <laughs> what was I talking about? I don't remember. Babies. Babies. And, quiet times oh, and quiet they threw times. it out. Oh, yes, yes. Babies um, flying. Yes. The, the, the challenge is to create a trellis that um, is, is rigid enough, is structured enough, is implemented enough in things like your calendar and your relationship so you actually do it, um, but not so legalistically that it becomes the point. I mean, you know, I know for my rules of life, um, 
there are days I just don't want to do it. Honestly, this morning coming in, the thing I'm doing this summer, one of the things I'm doing is I'm doing hours of prayer. And I, I so wanted to not do hours of prayer. I was listening to a book. It's kind of a, a stupid novel. I wanted to listen to that. But I made myself do the hours of prayer, one, because I knew I was coming here. And <laughs> No, not, and, and, and there probably was some of that thought. Of it. But, but the other thing is, is I know that there are times that, that those times where you've committed to a spiritual practice and it's most difficult, most unrewarding, most lame, um, those are some of the most important times to discipline yourself to do it, create the pattern. Um, and then there are other days where it's just rich. And sure enough, as I was listening to my rule of life, there was just a phrase in one of the scriptures. I just stopped and replayed it multiple times. I was like, oh my goodness, I needed to hear that this morning. But also you need to have it so um, in tune with who you are, the season you are at, the time you actually have, so that it actually is life-giving and not a burden. Um, you know, um, life is all about seasons. I was just talking to one of our overseers this morning who has young kids. I don't have young kids anymore. There's a part of me that deeply grieves that. There's a bigger part of me that thinks, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm too old. Praise the Lord. Too old to be chasing the little centerlings around. They're just, they're just um, you know, and, and I'm currently really enjoying Are my, you chasing the big centerlings? No, actually. They're, just letting them they're, do their... The state of Wisconsin is responsible for them. They're all 18 or above. No. Um, actually, I was just, I, I'm really enjoying the adult relationships I'm having with my kids right now. I'm really enjoying it. It's a better fit for me. Um, the teen years was really hard for me because I was losing control, and you know I like control. <laughs> um, anyway, the, the, the point is, is that, um, is it weird that I'm, I'm, uh, we don't have kids yet, but I'm right. like, I'm excited for the teenage years. Yes. Yeah. Um, maybe I'm, no, to- no. I'm probably completely wrong. It's just the age range that I know the best. <laughs> we'll talk here when you have them. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's a ter- it's a different kind of terrifying because you're not actually as consumed with time necessarily, although they're very busy years. Um, but you're releasing them to things where if mistakes happen, the stakes are higher and you really are losing control by design. If you're a good parent, because you're not a, you're about preparation, not protection. You have to, you have to be all about preparation. And honestly, by the time you're in the teen years, you've done 80% of what you can do. Mm. I mean, that's just the deal. I mean, if you're, if you're thinking in the teen years, I'm really going to be that engaged parent that really, no, you no. it's, it's actually, uh, you're late to the game and you, you, mm-hmm. you j- anyway, there's a million things you're on the clock. I just like imagining a whole sea of parents listening to this podcast who rolled their eyes so hard at what I said. Yes. Well, you know, I'm just enjoying it right now. You know, we're, we'll be kind. We'll just say, okay, yeah, we're going to, this is going to be fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> the point is, uh, what are we talking about again? <laughs> babies, <laughs> babies, <laughs> babies flying. No, uh, I was talking to this young father and what he's going to do for rule of life is so different then what I'm going to do, I, I'm at a wonderful point in my life that I can do rich, deep, wonderful things because my actual time is freeing out as my kids are going off to do their thing. I'm still very busy and, and I have to be disciplined about it. When I had young kids, I, I did different disciplines. And so, so part of this process is to come back and say, okay, from September to Christmas, what would be life-giving? What would be focusing Um, what are the issues that God really wants me to work on? And then when you realize there's just a buffet of things you could Mm. do, just a glorious, glorious adventure, um, and many of them will surprise you, um, then, um, boy, the whole world works out. So here, here would be some examples. So like, um, my rule of life right now is I'm, I'm doing the hours of prayer, um, 
uh, I'm also uh, using the Dwell app, so I'm listening through the New Testament with the rest of the church, and that has been just good just to listen to the Word mm-hmm. of God rather than you know, dig in. in. In other times past, I've I've chosen a book. So this fall, I'm going to be digging, I'm going to be doing a personal study in the Book of Revelation. Um, I'm going to be doing some translating in that. So that's something that's good for me because when you preach the Bible, I'll just say this. It sounds arrogant, but let me just say it. We preach the Bible 30 years. You know the Bible pretty well. And so reading the Bible and even studying the Bible, what translating does for me is it slows me down. Mm -hmm. It really makes me dig deep into different words, things like that. So that's something I'm going to do. I've got some other aspects of my life that are are being planned. So um, I've got some times away with my wife, weekends away. Say, what does that have to do with spiritual practice? Um, A lot. That That will be (laughs) life-giving. It will be renewing. It will keep my main thing my main thing. Um, every one of my um, um, spiritual practices, uh, my, my plans, and I, I tend to do two, and some years I do three, and then I share them with the overseers and, and just, just so they see them. Now, and again, I've been doing this a long time. I'm eight years in, so no one's expecting you to do what I'm doing here. I, I, sometimes when I talk about what I do, anyway, people say, I don't think I can do all that. Don't do all that. Just do something. Anyway, I will have something with each one of my kids. So, okay, so this is a weekend away with this kid. This is uh, um, one year I had lunch. Uh, my daughter was in her second year. It was a tough year. Every Wednesday I'm going to have lunch with my daughter, you know, while she's in college, you know. Um, 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 one of my sons were working on some stuff with values. So I've got an intentional conversation. So, so the point is there are other things I do. So these are the four podcasts I'm going to really listen to. So right now, this summer, Tim Keller. I've been just listening to um, Tim do you, Keller. Do you like Tim Keller? He's the, do you like Tim Keller and C.S. Lewis a he, little bit? He's he's just the smartest <laughs> guy ever. I just Kinda wish. Is. I wish. I just want to say, wow, I wish I had the ability to access information and think at the level and the subtle. He's just brilliant. Well, thank the Lord that he writes books and oh does podcasts. Gosh. <laughs> you know, he has cancer right now. Oh, wow. I did he not is, know. It's a very serious deal. So... Um, uh, just pray for Tim Keller because boy, we need Tim Keller. Anyway, um, so but that's something that's very life giving to me. Um, one thing, so there's some things I've done in the past I'm not doing. So usually I have a leadership podcast in there. I don't have any leadership podcast in there because I'm a little tired of leadership stuff right now. Yeah. And so um, it also is like this relentless march of like you could do better. Yes, you could. Do yes, better. Yes, yes. <laughs> How to lead an effective team meeting? I don't want to hear that today. You know, so, something like that. Um, you know, uh, in my personal life, um, so starting in September, and actually I actually kind of started now, I'm going to, uh, the plan is to not, uh, to be off sugar. So I'm going to be off sugar till Christmas. So um, Christmas might be in a Mitch diabetic <laughs> <laughs> like, All things sweet coming. Uh, <laughs> actually, I, I want to get off the uh, binge, yes. feast, or famine kind of thing. But um, but um, um, just just get, you know, cheap process process refined sugar out of my life for a while i just do better because it keeps the me from spiking highs and lows and things yeah. like that and helps with you know weight management all that kind of stuff like that um um what am i going to do for exercise um what am i going to do um for um you know uh just different aspects of your life some people may have a specific thing where they say you know what i'm pretty isolated so a spiritual practice for me is i'm going to get my small group back together i'm going to meet with my small group. I may, I, I don't actually have a small group right now. It's hard being in a, a pastor in a small group because you're Joe expert, but I have a, a, a group of about five friends who I, I, I talk to one of them just about every day. 
and talk to all of them every week. And, um, and so there's just some really, and the overshares, we, we really, we meet once a month for business, once a month for prayer, and we really do share life. And so, so you're, you're relationally just thinking, you're looking at your life and saying, okay, what are the things that are get, being life-given? So if you were going through this little tool for you to come back and say, okay, these are the things that sound really life-giving. And actually, they sound realistic. Okay, so if your thing is, I'm going to read the Bible entire thing this week, you know, something like that. If you're that person, don't do that. But if you if you just, if you came, these are the three or four things, one or two things, the one thing that I'm going to do that's going to, you know, every week I'm going to wake up and I'm going to read Rick Warren's devotion. Every week I'm going to wake up and I'm going to, uh, every day I'm going to wake up. You know, um, it, your, your goal may be something related to a very physical thing. So you may say, okay, um, I'm going to put my phone away at nine o'clock and just read in bed because I need to get to, I, my, I'm not getting the sleep I need. Um, I'm going to, um, I'm going to plan, um, three days away where I'm just going to go and I'm going to have a journal, I'm going to have a book and I'm going to retreat. I'm going to practice this Sunday. I'm going to talk about Sabbath, the importance of creating rhythm and rest in our life. And that rest is really more of a perspective than a practice. If you, if you figure out the mental aspects of what it means to rest in God, um, then it gives you the ability to slow down your spirit enough that you actually, the practice of rest becomes, um, just a glorious thing. Uh, for me, um, I'll work some fishing trips into that because it really is renewing for me. Some of the guys will do, uh, hunting will be a big thing. And if you, if you thought about integrating spirituality into something you love like that for, for others, it may be, boy, there's this scrapbooking retreat or this, um, weekend to remember for couples. When you recognize that just, you know, spending an hour even writing down all the things you could do and then highlighting these are the things, um, boy, that would be life-giving, man, um, you, you can then say, okay, now I'm going to add, like if you, if you say, okay, I'm going to take, I'm going to take a half day Sabbath every week. You put it in your calendar and it's an appointment. So if someone says, Hey, can you get together that day? No, I have an appointment. And you don't say, no, that's my Sabbath. Oh, cause then you'll, you'll do it anyway. But if, mm-hmm. if you treat it like an appointment. So if you go through that process, the other half of the process and the questions in the pamphlet is what are the things that maybe need to be stopped? So for you, it might be, all right, I've been listening to this podcast every day. It's a Joe Rogan podcast or it's a political podcast or it's some guilty pleasure. Pro- and it, it was fine for a season, not a terrible thing. Um, but I need less of that. You know what? Mm-hmm. I realize I spend, watch MSNBC every morning or Fox News every night. I'm going to fast from that. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to get rid of that or get rid, rid of sugar or, or, um, just something in your life. You realize that, um, man, doesn't do my soul good. Maybe for you, you're going to learn about spiritual practice. So you're going to get the book, um, life I always wanted or Richard Foster's book, the celebration of disciplines. And you're going to learn about things like silence or solitude. You're going to learn about things like, um, journaling. Um, you might learn there's something, um, that has been very powerful for people, um, called the daily examine. Um, I, I've only done it a couple seasons in my life. Um, but boy, I mean, it's at the end of the day, you ask yourself a series of five or six questions. What was life giving? What was not? And you replay your day. And it's wonderful to establish patterns. 
Okay. Oh, every time I have this interaction with this person, it's this. What's going on there? Oh, I'm carrying this against that person. Well, where does that come from? And and you just learn to listen to your soul. One, you might you might choose a tool. One tool that um, uh, have a love hate relationship is the Enneagram. Uh, I see if they could see your shut smile I'm right smirking now because I'm a massive fan. <laughs> yes, um, I'm not a fan in general. Personal inventories. I see honestly. I see as much harm as good that come from them. Just to be, um, I see a lot of good. I see a lot of people use them as excuses to not make progress in life. They'll say, well, I'm, I'm a D, so I shouldn't be expected to be kind. Or, you know, I'm a introvert, so I shouldn't expect to have relationships. You know, things yes. like that. Yeah. So you can do a um, dark thing. The, the Enneagram is... Again, taking good things and it, twisting Yes, them. that's exactly right. That's exactly <laughs> right. The heart is the greatest of deceitful things. Um, anyway, the Enneagram um, might be a really good... A, a one that I have not done yet... I feel like I've done it because I've done a lot of work in this area, but I haven't done the official tool is the geneogram mm. where you look at your family of origin from an Enneagram perspective mm. and you recognize, Oh, that was like in my grandfather and Oh, Oh. And then you start realizing, Oh, there's some, there's some family patterns that I wasn't even aware of here. I feel a lot of that now as I'm getting older, I see a lot of my dad and some of that's awesome. Some of that's, uh, disturbing so if only we were filming right if now. only we were filming so much just the, happened the, on the your facial face. stuff it's just like yeah <laughs> that's right uh, <laughs> i don't think i want to know what's happening on my face <laughs> uh, might be revealing it might be revealing. <laughs> the, the, the point is this my friends and i don't want to overwhelm people feeling like you got to get every aspect of your life if you chose one thing and it was truly meaningful truly connecting with grace even you say you know what i'm just going to do the Our Father and the Apostles' Creed before I go to bed. I'm going to just read a psalm every morning. And, and you just crafted for yourself a trellis. Mm -hmm. Then you would grow. And then maybe, uh, you know, as we start talking about this in November, December, about the next rule of life, you are a more significant person. You build a bigger trellis. And, and you start realizing, okay, I'm making spiritual progress. Um, because... You know, um, you know, I'm working it. There's a there's a statement in um, um, Alcoholics Anonymous. I really like Alcoholics Anonymous. I know it's not a perfect program, and it's only as good as the group that's working it. But um, the the statement is, it works if you work it. Mm -hmm. And it's just a way of though. You know, addicts are great with addicts. I mean, that's the beautiful thing is you can't be a, an addict can BS a lot of people, but they can't BS another addict. And um, and this is true of this too. It works if you work it. Now, again, not yourself, Holy Spirit, love relationship, all that kind of stuff like that. But um, if you just stay unattentive and passive and you just keep drifting, you should probably keep expect to expect the same results you've been getting. Yeah. And so um, um, this is just a call, a challenge. There's a lot of joy in it for me. Um, find those things that are life-giving, that make the love relationship and Jesus come alive, that makes you become a better version of yourself in Christ. Um, find those things, and man, um, do them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it, this is the beautiful thing. It, it's, a, it's a misnomer. It's actually inaccurate that we sometimes we're doing, sometimes we're being. They're hopelessly interwoven with each other. And um, it's a helpful concept to kind of question, you know, whether or not we're, you know, being in life, uh, inner life or own life. There, there is, by the way, the person who is too much in their head, too much in their inner life, mm -hmm. and they don't do enough. Um, 
you know, um, like balance is important. It's like this again. <laughs> I, it's I, I keep saying this. I say this over and over again because I want people to get it. And I think preachers are supposed to repeat themselves because people don't get it. Jesus's con, uh, command in the Sermon on the Mount to be perfect, be perfect as I am perfect, is not a conversation about him saying don't make mistakes. Mm. It's for him to be perfect means to be in balance or in rhythm or to have harmony. It's about saying your inner life and your outer life have this symbiotic thing that they work together in this wonderful way. You you establish a routine, a pattern, a template, a trellis, a rule that allows you to be truly who you are. Figure that out, and you just authentically live that out. Um, that is the life, yeah, that is the life we want. So, yeah, good stuff. That's awesome. Well, let me close this out in prayer. Yep. Um, Yahweh, we need you in this process. Lord, it is not something that um, we can just march into our own inner lives and try to conquer and try to um, maybe look at the buffet of options of things that could uh, be changed and just say, oh, I'm just going to attack all these different things. Lord, we need you. We need the power of your spirit to redeem, to restore, to heal, um, to give us the strength to look at these things honestly. I also pray, God, for every person who looks at the buffet and maybe some of the items um, are are scary and they are hurtful items and to even approach them is daunting. Um, Lord, would you help us to have grace with ourselves, the kind of grace and kindness that you have for us and the kind of grace and kindness that we would share and have for other people. And would you help us to know that, God, you are step-by-step with us, walking with us, and um, and this is the process that we've been on since the very first day with you. You have been chipping away at these things and redeeming and restoring us uh, to the utmost. And God, we are excited to see and we'll, won't fully know until heaven, but we're excited to see that completely restored, truest version of who we are when our identity is completely centered on you. Mm. So we just pray for your power at work in our lives and um, bring us to a point of just healthy, holy surrender. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.